Welcome to the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast, where every week I take a look inside the world of film and television with those who have lived it and experienced it. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and this is episode 296, which means we are just over a month away from episode 300. I'll be talking a little bit more about episode 300 later on in the show. But coming up on today's episode, you'll be hearing my conversation with actress, writer, and director Elysia Marie talking about her feature film debut, Zombies, that's Z-O-M-B-E-E-S. You'll want to be sticking around for that really fun conversation just because I'm, I'm sold on the movie just on the name alone. You know, I, I heard the name and I'm like, this sounds like the coolest thing ever and I have to know more about it. So you'll be hearing that uh, later on in the show. But first, I wanted to bring back a segment that I know a lot of you have been clamoring for. So for those who might be new to the podcast, around you know late March when things really started to shut down due to the pandemic, I had made the joke you know to some of my friends. I was like, well, if I'm going to have to work remotely, I'm going to be doing a podcast every single day. And I was kind of half kidding, half not kidding, because I thought the concept of doing some type of a daily show would be a lot of fun because I, I love doing this show. I love doing Nerd Cave Retro, but you know those shows are once a week. And I thought, well, if I'm going to be at home a lot, why not try it? You know, if, worst case scenario, I do it for a week and if no one watches or no one likes it, then I just won't do it anymore. So I came up with this idea for a morning show called The Daily Diamond. And the way it started out was I was giving suggestions on what to watch while you were in quarantine. I'd give like a Netflix pick of the day or a Hulu pick of the day, but that got old pretty quickly. And after that first week, I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to keep doing this, I'm going to have to do something a little different. And I don't remember exactly where the inspiration came to me, but I did a top five list that following Monday and it did quite well and way surpassed my expectations of the amount of people that would watch and those who would submit their list. And I was like, well, that might be, might be onto something here. So from late March to early June, pretty much every day I was doing a different top five list Monday through Friday. And the amount of response that I got from it really surprised me. And I would have regulars you know, and as several of you have submitted your list for what I'm doing tonight or for this week's show. Um, what I'm going to be doing this week is bringing back the top five list. And I mentioned on last week's show that I'm going to be incorporating new segments into the podcast. And then when episode 300 rolls around, from there on out, I'll be doing a news story, some type of a fun segment, and then a guest interview. So for this week, you know, we have Valentine's Day approaching. So uh, my girlfriend, Samantha, actually had the idea to do something that was, you know, romantically related. Roman I don't know if romantically related is the right way to say it, but some, a, romance, a romantic theme is, I guess, how I should say it. So what I'll be doing is top five film and TV couples. So, you know, with Valentine's Day around the corner, talk about some some romantic storylines, some of our favorites from, from film and TV. So the way this works is I will be doing my list. I'm going to give some honorable mentions and I'll go through from five to one and give my reasons why. And then those who have submitted your list. And again, I'll be doing this monthly. So be on the lookout uh, on Facebook. I'll be posting a thread that says this month I'll be doing you know, top five, whatever the case may be. You just leave your top five list there, and I will read it on the show. So we'll go through my honorable mentions first. Uh, we're going to start with Rocky and Adrian from the Rocky movies. And this is one that was right on the bubble for me because I was a big Rocky fan growing up. I remember watching specifically the first three movies um, on VHS at my grandparents' house when I was a kid. And eventually I did watch four and five and some of the newer ones that have come out. You know, I actually, I thought Rocky Balboa was a pretty decent movie. I thought Creed 1 was very good. Creed 2 was okay, but the first Creed really brought back to me that that spirit of, of Rocky. But we're not talking about Creed. We're going to talk about 
Rocky and Adrian, just the the mesh of personalities with Rocky being this, you know, outgoing tough guy and Adrian being just really so shy and timid and seeing her grow as a character due to her relationship with Rocky was really cool. And then of course they would go on to have a kid and their the progression of their relationship to me was really cool to see, especially when she was in the hospital in Rocky two and when she woke up and she told Rocky to win and that kind of cleared his conscience to have the rematch with Apollo Creed. So their relationship was very integral to the Rocky franchise. And again, that they would have been my number five, but we'll get to that in just a second. Uh, another honorable mention for me is Danny and Sandy from Greece. I remember watching Greece as a kid, loved all the musical numbers and kind of grew to appreciate their dynamic and their relationship as I got older. Again, it's that kind of opposite, not maybe not so much personalities, but lifestyles. You know, Danny's the the greaser, you know, bad boy, and Sandy's the prim and proper girl from Australia. Just their their mesh of personalities, among others that I'll mention, uh, was really cool to see. Uh, we have Cam and Mitch from Modern Family. Those two make that show. They are the best parts of it, in my honest opinion. No knock to any of the other characters or actors, but their dynamic is the best part of that whole show, in my opinion. I haven't watched the show in, in a bit, but I remember specifically those early episodes when it was, to me, at its peak popularity. I, I love those two. Those two were so funny. Then we have Sam and Diane from Cheers, and those who know me might surprise might be surprised to hear that they're um, not in the top five. But there's another Cheers relationship that's quite high on my list that we'll get to. And then we have Tony Stark and Pepper Potts from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's well, it was one of those romances that when you saw their interaction together for the first time, you wanted those two to be together. So when they were, it was just a really cool moment. But transitioning into my number five is Felicity Smoke and Oliver Queen from Arrow. And I know a lot of people don't like their their romance because they thought it killed the dynamic of the show. I personally don't think so. There's a lot that I like about those early seasons of Arrow, specifically when it was just Oliver Diggle and Felicity. And again, it was kind of a a bit of a slow burn with their relationship. You know, they didn't officially become a couple until a couple of seasons into the show, but it was one of those at least for me personally early on that I knew I wanted those two to be together and to watch their relationship grow from just fighting crime to being a couple was a lot of fun to watch and you know, to me, added a much needed, and I know there was some drama involved with their relationship, but they provided a different sense of an otherwise very dark show. But number four is Steve Rogers and Peggy Carter from the MCU, uh, who, if the very end of Endgame didn't make you smile, then I, I don't know who you are or what you're doing with your life. You know, the fact that he was frozen in ice and they didn't get to be together it was just heart-wrenching at times because you knew that Steve still had feelings for her. And the fact that, you know, after... Spoilers for those who haven't seen Endgame, but I mean, it's been a year. But um, when Steve takes the stones back in time and he doesn't come back, and then you see that he's sitting on the bench as an old man, and you see the ring on his finger. How do you not smile at that? And to me, it was a really good ending to that era of the MCU. To see those two together was fantastic, and one of, to me, the coolest moments from the entire MCU history. Number three is Han Solo and Leia Organa from Star Wars. You knew I had to put a Star Wars couple on this list, and it had to be Han and Leia. 
you know, you get to see their relationship really grow in the Empire Strikes Back when they're fleeing the Empire. And then to, it was sad to see where it ended up in the sequel trilogy, the fact that they weren't together and kind of the the fall of their son to the dark side of the Force ultimately broke them apart. But their relationship in the original trilogy was funny and it was really sweet in a way. Even though Han's a scoundrel, but that's part of his charm. My number two is Sam and Rebecca from Cheers. You might be thinking, why is it not Sam and Diane? And I know that their relationship is really iconic when it comes to television and sitcom romantic storylines because people use the Sam and Diane theory or the Sam and Diane situation. And yeah, it's much more known, but I actually preferred Rebecca as a character over Diane because whenever Sam would do something really stupid or really shady, Diane wouldn't really retaliate in the way that Rebecca would. Like Rebecca wasn't afraid to like go head to head with Sam and call him out on his wrongdoings. And like Diane would do that to a point, but the just the the chemistry to me with Sam and Rebecca was just so much better because they were more alike. You felt like you could see Rebecca being part of the gang, whereas Diane to me was always an outsider to a point. And my number one, it had to be this Jim and Pam from The Office. I started watching The Office. It was in its later seasons, but it was available on Netflix. So I started from the very beginning and you could tell that there was something there between those two, even though Pam was engaged to Roy, you just knew that eventually, you know, because th- those two aren't going to work out. But Jim and Pam, they're going to work out. And they, and The Office is known for being a comedy show, but a lot of Jim and Pam-centric moments, you know, like the first time they kiss, when Jim proposes, when they find out that, you know, Pam's pregnant with their first child, They're the reason for some of, dare I say, most of the show's heartwarming moments. And a lot of people, I think, just get lost in the fact that they think The Office is just a show about comedy. But it had a lot of great emotional moments, too. And the Jim and Pam storyline was was one of the best to me. And that's that's why they've they've got to be my number one. So moving on to everyone's list here, and again, thank you guys for submitting your list. If you want to to do the same, just pay attention to social media, specifically Facebook, and I'll be posting a thread saying this month I'll be doing top five, whatever the case may be, and you just leave your list and I'll read it here on the show. First up, we have Samantha Owens. Her number five is Mitch and Cam from Modern Family. Four, Monica and Chandler from Friends. Three, Steve Rogers and Peggy Carter from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as we talked about before. Number two, Joel and Sheila from Santa Clarita Diet. And this is a show that she's watched it. I haven't seen all of it yet, but we've watched several episodes together. And I I really I really enjoy the show. I need to finish it, but their their dynamic is really good. Number one is Jim and Pam from The Office. Tim Spivey, loyal uh, loyal top five list poster. Number five, Sandy and Danny from Greece. Four, Adrian and Rocky. Three, Tiffany and Pat from Silver Linings Playbook. Number two, and I always get this name wrong, so my apologies if I do, but from Boy Meets World, Corey and Topanga. And number one, Pam and Jim from The Office. And his honorable mentions are Lucy and Henry from 51st Dates and Buttercup and Wesley from The Princess Bride. Next up, we have Josh Shinnewark. His honorable mentions are JD and Elliot from Scrubs. That's a good one. I, I didn't think of that. I forgot about Scrubs. Scrubs is a fun show. I enjoyed that show so much. And then Willow and Tara from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Number five, Sun and Jen from Lost. Four, Lily and Marshall from How I Met Your Mother. That's a show I still need to watch. 
Number three, Dwight and Angela from The Office. I th- Their relationship had some funny moments, too. Number two, Vegeta and Bulma from Dragon Ball Z. I like that choice. And number one, Sheldon and Amy from The Big Bang Theory. Next up, we have another uh, loyal poster of the top five list, Mr. Carlos Longoria. Honorable mentions, Steve and Laura from Family Matters. Number five, Amy and Sheldon from Big Bang Theory. Number four, Jamie and Paul from Mad About You. I remember my mom watching that show. It came on really late at night, so it was kind of like whenever that show was on, I knew it was time to to go to bed. But I, I didn't watch it extensively, but I can remember a couple of the moments from that show. Number three, Kate and Toby from This Is Us. Two, Todd and Asha from Outsourced, the movie, not the series. And I like this choice for number one, Mr. and Mrs. Incredible from The Incredibles. Next up, we have Nick Flagstar. Number five, Lucy and Ricky, probably one of the more iconic couples in the history of television. Number four, Dr. and Mrs. Huxtable. Hate saying it, but it's true. Number three, Hawkeye and Trapper John. Number two, Jim and Pam from The Office. Another popular choice. And number one, from Saved by the Bell, Zach and Kelly. I like that choice. Next up, we have Jonathan McIntosh, Lois and Clark, Jamie and Claire from Outlander, Leonard and Penny from Big Bang Theory. This might surprise some people, but I've never watched The Big Bang Theory. I've seen moments from that show, but I haven't really sat down and watched an entire episode. People tell me that you know they think I would love it, but... As I haven't sat down and watched it yet. Uh, and he says, Zach and Kelly from Saved by the Bell and Michael Knight and Kit. I like that one. <laughs> uh, then we have, last but not least, Mr. Brandon Rutledge, another loyal top five lister. His honorable mentions, Shrek and Fiona, Morticia and Gomez Adams, Aladdin and Jasmine. That would be another honorable mention for me. That's a good one. Rapunzel and Flynn Rider from Tangled, Tony Stark and Pepper Potts from the MCU, and he says, just kidding, but Ric Flair and anyone he flirts with. Woo! Love the nature boy. Number five, Batman and Catwoman, uh, the ultimate love-hate relationship. I would agree with that. Number four, Leonard and Penny from The Big Bang Theory. Number three, again, I apologize for more than likely pronouncing these names wrong. Uh, Yusuke and Keiko from Yu Yu Hakusho. Number two, Han Solo and Princess Leia from the Star Wars franchise. And number one, Belle and Beast from the 1991 animated version of Beauty and the Beast. So really good list. I, I like the variety. There were some consistencies, you know, like with Jim and Pam, but I, I like the variety. And that's what I think is so great about these top five lists is that your list can be completely different from mine. But it's also a great conversation starter to talk about, okay, well, they're my favorite because of this. And it's, I seem like it feels like the number five spot is always the hardest because that's where it's kind of like the on-the-fence level of like, well, I really want to put you know this person here or this thing here, but you know, it, it just misses out. So these are a lot of fun to do. And again, I thank you guys for submitting these uh, awesome top five lists. We'll have a new one uh, for the month of March. Not not sure yet what it's going to be, but I know it's going to be part of episode 300. So uh, before we move on to the interview portion of the show with Elysia Marie, I did want to touch base with you guys with what I have planned for episode 300. For those who follow me on social media, you know that this past weekend I had the opportunity to interview uh, one of my dream guests, honestly, because the movie Clerks means a lot to me in the sense that when I watched it and found out the story behind how it was made, it's what inspired me to want to be a filmmaker because Kevin Smith and his cast and crew prove that if you work hard enough, you can make a film and you can do it successfully. And it's even more impressive the fact that it was made in the early 90s when the stigma of, well, you got to go out to Los Angeles to make movies. 
you know, that was still very much a thing. And they were kind of a precursor to the everyday person being able to make a movie when they get the right resources. And, you know, even if you max out your credit cards, you can come up with funding for it. And it's just so, so many great stories based off of that movie and inspired by that movie. But I had the pleasure of chatting with Brian O'Halloran, who played Dante Hicks in Clerks, one of the lead roles. So it was great getting to chat with him about how Clerks was made, how meaningful it is to so many people. And just picking his brain about the industry was was great. So you'll get to hear that in just a few weeks as part of the 300th episode. Now, what I'm also going to be doing is I'm going to talk about a couple of news stories I'm going to be doing another top five list and doing an interview portion with Brian O'Halloran. So it's going to be a fun, jam-packed show. Um, I'm going to be doing, except for the interview portion, which was recorded, um, I'm going to be doing the rest of the show live on Facebook. And I'll be sending out all the information um, within the coming weeks about exactly what's going on as far as what top five lists I'm doing, what stories I'll be talking about. So stay tuned for that over the next week or so, but there will be live elements of the show that I'll be doing uh, on Facebook. So really exciting stuff coming up. Uh, got some fun shows uh, listed over the next uh, few weeks, uh, and then I'll be talking about next week's show coming up in the outro. But let's um, let's talk about zombies, Z-O-M-B-E-E-S, with Elysia Marie. Um, I, I love talking with, you know, as you know, I love talking with actors, directors, those who work in the industry. And I also love talking with people who are local filmmakers as well. And I feel like I don't do that enough on the show. So it was great connecting with someone who's based here in the community with a community based project with actors who live in this community as well. It was great talking with her and getting to pick her brain about how she came up with this idea that honestly sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun to make and a lot of fun to watch. I'm personally very much looking forward to it. So here is my conversation with actress Elysia Marie. Welcome back to the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. And joining me this week is actress, writer, and director, Alicia Marie. Alicia, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. I'm excited to talk about an uh, exciting new venture you have coming up with your feature film, Zombies, which I love the spelling of. It's Zombies. <laughs> so, Zombie Bees. I mean, Zombie who, Bees, yes. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I saw the title of it. I think I just saw it maybe on Facebook or Instagram. And I was like, wait a minute, this sounds like the coolest thing ever. And then started doing research on it. And some of the cast you have are people that I've either had on this show or I've interacted with, you know, around the community. So right. uh, let's, let's just dive right in. How did you come up with the idea for zombies? Um, so my husband and I were having breakfast and one of the guys that he works with is actually a beekeeper. And um, so he was like telling me all of this useful information about honey crystallizing. And then he was like, yeah, he almost lost his hive with this mite infestation. And, you know, it makes the, the bees deformed and they act like zombies and they fly around as like zombies. I said, so they were like zombie bees. And I was like, zombie bees, zombies. Like, how is this not already like a thing right it just I felt like it just kind of writes itself but it was like I got I just heard it and it was like all these ideas just started rolling around in my brain so yeah I was just kind of like one of those a bottle of honey that's how yeah. I got <laughs> the idea well and when you think of the title it, it makes me instantly think of something you'd see on sci-fi like Sharknado or three-headed yes. shark attack like one of those crazy yes. you know, monster type movies. So I, I love movies like that. You know, I, I a lot of people I know are, I want to say sticklers when it comes to like their taste in movies or they don't expand right. beyond it, but like not every movie has to be this deep, you know, like dramatic story. You can have fun with it. Like Sharknado, like three headed yeah. shark attack. And what, what you're talking about sounds like it'd be a blast to do. Um, that's actually like when I started writing, I was like, this would be perfect for the sci-fi channel, 
I love sci-fi channel cheese. Those are like some of my favorite films. They just kind of take your mind off of what's, so I was like, I'm gonna write this for the sci-fi channel. I mean, you know, that would be like the perfect goal for them to pick up the film. Um, but so that's, you know, definitely one of my favorite genres. Um, and so it was like, I can write this, you know? Um, so I'm really excited about it. Um, everyone on the team is really excited about it. They've been really supportive and helpful. And yeah, I just, I cannot wait to start filming this film. Sure. When are you looking to start shooting? Um, we're looking at spring of this year. We're hoping end of March, beginning of uh, April. Um, our producer, Nick Smith, is working on, an, we'll be working on another film in Atlanta. So once he gets back, then we'll uh, start filming zombies. So. Yeah, I can't say enough good things about Nick Smith. Yeah, he's, he's I honestly could not uh, do this without him. And to be honest, this is like moving so much faster than I anticipated. Uh, I think I sent him the script in October and he was like, yeah, let's do it. And I'm like, okay. So then he starts sending me all this stuff. And I was like, oh, you mean now? <laughs> okay, sure. Let's do it now. So um, yeah, it's definitely been, um, yeah, I, could, I couldn't be doing this without him. He's, he's awesome. Well, that's the great thing about the filmmakers in our community, like Nick Smith, I would throw in Steve Wisen as well, just people who have this wealth of knowledge, but not just that, but the, the fact that they're willing to share it with other people. And that's, I say it almost ad nauseum on the show, but the best way you can learn how to do the process of filmmaking, whether it's writing, directing, producing, acting, whatever the case may be, is to actually do it. You know, classes yeah. are great, but there's nothing quite like the what I call on the job training yeah that's I am definitely more of a learn as you go person it's really hard for me to learn from books and things like that if I can't touch it and you know just kind of dive in it's really hard for me um, so I am definitely learning a lot uh, it's definitely out of my field of expertise it's out of my comfort zone but yeah that's what life's about right <laughs> so so is this the, your first feature, right? Yes. Um, writing and directing for sure. Um, as an actress, I, I've done, you know, a few, had some small parts in a few features, but this is the first feature I've ever written. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so did you have, when you were writing the script, did you have it in mind that you wanted to do a feature or did it just kind of evolve that way? I think it just, no, it was definitely going to be a feature because like I said, when I got the idea for zombies, I was like, this is perfect for sci-fi channel. So I'm going to write it for the sci-fi channel. So it was like, this is going to be a feature film for sure. Yeah. That, and that's uh, props to you for undertaking that huge project. Cause you know, I've, <laughs> I've only, I've worked on a couple of sets for shorts. I've made a short and even doing a short film is an undertaking all in itself because especially with indie filmmaking, you do a lot of stuff yourself, you know, in your right. case, you're acting in it, you wrote the script and you're directing it. So how, how has the, the prep process been from a writer director standpoint? Because you, I know you've done some acting before, but how has the writing and directing aspect been? Uh, so like you said, doing a lot of things myself, um, what Nick isn't, you know, the stuff that Nick doesn't do, because I have no nothing about crew, you know, crewing budgets, all that kind of stuff he's taking care of. But, you know, it's like, you know, cast list, um, prop list, wardrobe list, um, trying to find locations, um, trying to uh, raise money, trying to make this visible on social media. So, you know, I'm doing a lot of like posting and making videos and all that kind of stuff, which um, it's, it's a lot of work, like, because, you know, as a, an actor, actress, you're used to getting your script, showing up on set, doing your lines, leaving. This is nothing like, this is like my whole, I would say my whole day is pretty much inundated with emails and social media posting and talking to actors and reaching out. And so it's a lot of work but it's like, I, I, do, I do well under pressure. So I'm kind of like thriving off of it at the same time, but it's just like a lot more than I uh, was expecting, you know, starting off, I guess most people start off with shorts and maybe I should have, but um, here we are. And I, you know, 
I'm learning. I'm learning so much and, but it's fun. It's fun. I love it. Well, you mentioning maybe you should have started off with some shorts, but I, I think everybody's got to go their own path as to what they want to do. Like, you know, for filmmaking, for example, if you want to dive right in and do a feature and you feel like you can do it, then dive right in and do a feature. I mean, you can always do shorts, you know, right. down the line or another feature if you want right. to. That's, that's, that's the beauty of filmmaking is that it's so broad as to what you can do. And, you know, for those who might, you know, be interested in like behind the scenes stuff, you could do anything from like, you know, start as PA and then, you know, be a grip. You can do audio for acting, you know, obviously right. there's acting, but there's also directing. There's, there's so many things that, that you can do in a different way as far as like shorts and features. And I'm sure, you know, there's a, is, they're both similar, but different. I'm sure a feature has got to yeah. be much more intense, but there, there's yeah. a lot you can do. So that, that's, that's great. Yeah, for sure. Um, I actually wrote a short before, but it just like never manifested itself the way I wanted it to. But this is just falling into place. Just everybody's on the same page. So it kind of feels like it was meant to be. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I won't say it's like going perfectly smoothly or anything, but it's like everyone's just like clicking along at the same page where, you know, just thinking along the same lines and it's, it's really great. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't regret it, you know, starting off with a feature film. So we'll see what happens, but I'm so, I'm so excited about it and terrified, but excited. Yeah. I'm sure the nerves will kick in as the, the shooting date gets a bit closer, <laughs> but as someone who's, who's done it before, and I'm sure other people have told you, there's nothing quite like being on a film set. Right. It's it's one of those things that, you know, you love it or you don't, because to me, there's no in between because you right. spend so many hours prepping the film and then actually shooting it. You're say, for example, like a short, it's usually a two day shoot where you're mm -hmm. shooting practically all day. So you put a lot of time into it. And if you don't love it, you're going to get burned out of it pretty quickly. So it's, it's yeah. good that, you know, it sounds like everybody is you know, has the same mindset as you is wanting this yeah. to be as good as it can. And everybody's on the same yep. page. Yes, they are. And like I said, the whole cast has been um, really great. Shannon Williams is literally just dived right in. He's just been connecting me with people left and right. And I, I, I told him the, I said, I think you might be more excited about the project than I am. Cause he's just like doing so much. And um, he, he really gives me that boost of confidence that I need when I need it. But everybody's been really great and posting and sharing and doing their part to like, you know, generate some buzz about the movie. So I'm just really excited to have such a supportive cast um, and crew um, that the crew that we have so far. Um, so it it really means a lot to me. So did you mean to say generate buzz by design? Uh, yes, <laughs> you got to love a good pun. Yes. And there are a ton of them in the film. So if you love B puns or just bad puns in general, I think you'll like the film. When I watch it, I'll have a, a little notepad with me and I'll just count the number of puns. Yes. See, how, see how many we get to. Oh my gosh. There's so many. Um, but and also on the page too, we like to use it in the group, seeing how many times we can use the word B or buzz or whatever. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah. No. And just to name off a few people that that you have as far as your cast, you, I mean, you mentioned Shannon Williams. Uh, um, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, uh, Teens Blackburn, mm -hmm. uh, Marianne Del Gallego, Thomas Carter Rochester, yourself and several others. So you, you've got a, you've got a really good crew. So I'm, I'm excited to see, like, I enjoy seeing all of them on screen. So th this won't yes. be any exception. Yes. Um, I, I kind of feel like we have like uh, the all stars of the Emerald coast, you know, because I think I'm not saying, you know, nobody else isn't, but just they're usually the ones that you see in like the short, you know, all the short films around here, they're pretty well known in the, you know, the Emerald coast film groups and things like that. And, um, I've worked with a few of them and I guess some of them are, uh, the, the guy we cast as in the lead role, male lead role just started acting last year. Oh, wow. Um, so he's done a few, uh, short films, but this is like his first feature and it's 
the lead role. Uh, so he was really excited about that. And um, it was just really great to, to be able to give him that opportunity because he was like so excited about it. And he's really good too. So I, I really can't wait to, to work with everybody on set. Um, it's, I think it's going to be really great. I know it is. You got to be confident. There's another one. <laughs> uh, it's funny because uh, for the longest time, I was not a fan of puns, but over the last couple of years, I've really, I've turned, well, I've looked at them in a new light. We'll, we'll say that. I can't think of a clever pun to talk about puns. So right. we'll just say my opinion on them has changed and I, I enjoy them. So. Well, I, I think mine just comes because my dad, you know, dad jokes. My dad is yep. like, so I think I kind of picked that up through osmosis from being <laughs> around him so much. And I'm like, oh, thanks, dad. Oh, thanks, dad. So I feel like most people pick up puns from one of their parents, but I feel <laughs> yeah. like it's usually the dad. It's a dad, right? That's the thing, like dad jokes. Those are bad jokes or bad puns. But yeah. I'm dad. <laughs> So kind of backtracking a little bit, uh, I'm curious about your backstory. So like, what was it that made you initially want to become an actress? Was it something that you knew you wanted to do at an early age? Um, yes. Uh, if you ask my mom, I kind of came out like a drama queen. Um, but I remember when I was probably like four or five, my parents bought me this Hollywood starlet dress up kit for Christmas or my birthday, one of them. And I put it on and it was just like, oh my gosh, this right here. Like it had like this first stole and these high heels and all this other kind of stuff. And it was just like, I want to do this right here. Whatever this person does, I want to do it. But as I got older, I started um, writing these little plays for my cousins and I, and I would like force my cousins uh, to put these plays on um, for my family because I was the oldest and I was in charge of daily activities for the cousins. So, you know, um, and then for my church, I wrote a couple of plays and directed them. And it just kind of like was just something that I always loved to do. Like, um, but I didn't like writing. Um, I hated writing. I thought, you know, it's not in front of the camera. I, I hated it, even though I was like really good at it, you know, for school, I could pull a, you know, a writing assignment out of the year in like five minutes and get an A, but I hated it so much. And my mom was like, you're so great. And I'm like, no, I want to be an actress. Writing is not acting. That is, it, it has nothing to do with it, you know? And I, I didn't realize that I could do both of them. Um, but you know, as I, as I got older and I started taking acting classes and I just realized that that's the only thing that I really wanted to do with my life was be a filmmaker, well, be a storyteller, I guess, you know. Uh, but it wasn't really until the pandemic hit when everything shut down and there was like no acting or anything that it was like, and I got the idea and I was like, you know, it's time to let the writer out of her box and see what happens and here, Here we, we are. are. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but so it's, it was just, go ahead. No, it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, you look at a lot of actors that eventually find their way doing other things in the industry. Like I always use Ron Howard as an example. You know, he started mm -hmm. as an actor and now he's one of the best directors in Hollywood. So that, that's, I feel like a lot of people who are in the entertainment industry, specifically in the filmmaking side, they eventually get curious and try out other aspects of it because right. with each different aspect, you know, brings a different satisfaction mm -hmm. out of it. You know, from when I was making the Parker syndrome, I got different satisfaction as a director than I did as a writer. Like as a writer, I enjoyed creating the characters and building the sandbox, if you will, right. that, that everybody else was going to play in. And then as a director, you know, to, to kind of backtrack a little bit, one of the reasons why I started this podcast was to help with my social anxieties. So directing was something that, you know, if you had asked me 10 years ago, I would say there's no way and you know what, that I would do something like that. And then, then it happened. Right. So I, I, it doesn't surprise me that, you know, hearing you say that, oh, I only want to do acting, but then you transitioned into it. Cause I feel like a lot of people end up that way. Yeah. And especially since there, there's been like a, like, a shift kind of in the way, you know, casting is done. They look a lot at um, 
your social media and your following and stuff. And it almost kind of seems like it's harder to get acting roles, especially here in this area, because we have to compete with uh, Mobile and New Orleans and Atlanta and things like that. And so there's, there is a lot, of, uh, a, a lot of casting directors who are telling you to create your own content. Uh, to put yourself out there and draw attention to yourself. So a lot of actors are stepping more into that writing roles because they're writing more stuff for themselves to perform so that they can get, you know, booked by casting directors and things like that. Um, so um, I, I've, and now with all the little, you know, the film festivals and they had the quarantine chronicles and you saw a lot of actors, you know, writing their own short films and that kind of thing. So I think you probably maybe see a lot more, you know, writers turning to acting just, you know, to, to get themselves out there and kind of show everyone what, what they can do. Almost like a necessity. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that that's been one of the results of, of COVID, you know, it's with things being shut down, you have to try different things. And I, I've mentioned this on the podcast too, that I, I think once, now that the vaccine's out and hopefully within the next several months, we start to resume some type of normalcy. I think we're going right. to see a huge surge of new projects because right. writers have been, still been able to write at home. You know, actors have turned to writing in order to <laughs> do something to have, to have that outlet, if you will. Right. So I, I think I'd say towards the end of the summer, we're going to see a huge surge in announcements of different you know, projects, especially indie projects. So that mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really excited for. Yeah, I think so too. So hopefully be more stuff coming out of the Emerald coast. That's what, you know, I, I would love to see that because we have so much talent here, you know, not just actors, but behind the cameras as well. So hopefully, hopefully it'll yeah. be us. Yeah. And I, I, that's something else I tell people too, is that if you want to get involved with, filmmaking you know you gotta network you gotta net networking is the key to everything i know it's a bit difficult now because before covid hit we used to have monthly meet and greets right um here in in pensacola and i know we've done some virtual ones since then but still you know networking i mean there's the emerald coast film group page on facebook right. there's i think a pensacola actors page a pensacola screenwriters page so mm -hmm. you know getting yourself out there is is half the battle. And sometimes it can be nerve wracking because you essentially have to sell yourself. Right. But yeah, it's, it's, it's something that to me is, is vital. Yeah. Get yourself out it, there. For sure. I think that's kind of like, and the thing is, is I, I'm kind of like a shy person and you, you know, you go, you're an actress. How can you be shy? But I, I don't think they're, you know, my person, you know, being on screen is a little bit different than it's like, I don't like going live you know, but I love being in front of the camera. But again, that's like with, with zombies and trying to promote it, it's a lot of social media, social media, social media, networking, and or, or as much as I can network, um, you know, but that's like a really big thing because now, and I've been doing research on distribution, they look a lot, especially with indie films, at how big of a following does the film have how many how followers do the individual cast members have um so now it's like this huge thing like with social media and all that kind of stuff so i almost kind of feel like it's harder to be an actor filmmaker now than it was <laughs> years ago i don't know um it's definitely a lot more involved like oh my gosh i have to sell myself every single day every single day so definitely a lot more work it's funny you mentioned that you consider yourself to be a shy person because I'm outside of doing this show. I'm not a very talkative person. So when mm -hmm. people find out that I do a podcast, they're like, wait a minute, you do a show where you have to talk. And I'm like, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's my outlet. I enjoy right. it. I, well, I think maybe I would, I would describe myself as a extroverted introvert, maybe mm -hmm. like, Around certain people, I'm very animated and outgoing. But if you're new to me, it'll take me a while to feel you out unless we just like click instantly. But I'm not like the person who can just go into a room and make friends like that. It'll take me a minute to warm up and all that kind of stuff. So, but you know, yeah, acting I, is where I. 
I can understand that. And you mentioned it seems harder now than it was years ago. I think there are pros and cons to the way filmmaking is now. The pros are it's easier to do because of technology Mm -hmm. and you can get your content out there via social media, YouTube, Vimeo, wherever you want to post it. The downside to that is that everybody can do it. Right. So it's, there's just so much that's out there. And I mean, even with, you know, the mainstream like streaming services like Netflix, Hulu, HBO Max, Amazon Prime, I, I feel like once a week I have a conversation with somebody and they're like, oh, did you see, you know, this show or this movie? And I'm like, no, I've heard of it, but I haven't gotten around to it yet. But have you watched this? And they're like, no, I haven't got around to it. There's just so much content yeah. that's out there that sometimes it can be tough to, to shuffle through. So I, I understand the, the struggles with that. Yeah, there's definitely a lot more, um, as you say, content out there, especially like with like um, Tubi and Amazon Prime, where, you know, everyone can upload their, their, your, you know, their film up there. So there is a lot, I'm not gonna lie, I've probably seen all of it during the quarantine. So I'm like scrolling through, I like seen it, seen it, seen it. Somebody make some more stuff, please. Cause I've seen all of these cheesy sci-fi films and all of these, you know, everything that everyone's done during the quarantine, I've pretty much seen it already, but it, it is, there's a lot of stuff out there. And it's kind of hard to divide your time between like what comes on television and the newest thing coming on Netflix and what is everyone talking about? And it's just like, what do I do? There's not enough hours in the day. Yeah. It's like you have to sacrifice all your time to watch this <laughs> stuff, but then you can't because you have other things you have to do. So. Right, exactly. But no, I, I can understand the the struggles with that because, I mean, it's the same with podcasting. There are so many podcasts out there that it's it can be tough to get noticed sometimes. So, right. no, I, I totally get it. But um, as we start to wrap up here, uh, is there anything you wanted to plug for zombies, like social media, website, anything that so the listeners can follow? Absolutely. Oh, you can find us on Instagram at Zombies the Movie. You can find us on Facebook, Zombies the Movie. We have a YouTube channel, Zombies the Movie. Um, and also we do have a GoFundMe campaign um, set up just, you know, like I said, we're trying to get support from the community. And also I would love to pay my actors and um, the crew because we all got bills to pay. And unfortunately the bank doesn't take passion or IMDB credits as payment. I wish they did. Um, but yeah, we're just, we would just love support from the community because we'd love to bring attention to this area um, and not just the actors in this area, but the, the businesses and the, the, just the Emerald coast as a whole. Um, so if you could follow and share and, Help us get the word out. That would be awesome. Um, support local talent and independent filmmaking so we can have more things to watch if we go on another lockdown. Absolutely. And, <laughs> and last question, uh, what is one piece of advice that you could give, just because acting is primarily your background, what is one piece of advice you could give to an aspiring actor? Oi. Um, honestly... <laughs> I would say watch a lot of television um, because I'm always watching how people do things, like what choices do they make when they do that scene. And honestly, um, when you go to auditions, you have to know what you're auditioning for. You have to know the tone of what you're auditioning for. You can't say, oh, I don't watch that, that show or that, you know, whatever, because then they're going to look at you like, why are you even auditioning for this if you don't know what you're auditioning for? Um, so, and actually, I, I learned a lot just from watching <laughs> Denzel Washington, just how he does things. And um, so, yeah, I know it's kind of like a cheesy, like un or not deep piece of advice, but you got to know what you're going to be auditioning for. And you got to watch the choices that actors are making and see how you can adapt it for yourself. So I know it's kind of weird. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't disagree with that. That's great advice. I love it. Well, Alicia, thank you so much for taking the time to do this interview. This was fantastic, and I look forward to seeing what happens with zombies. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, and I can't wait to see what happens with zombies as well. <laughs> Thanks again to Alicia Marie for coming on the show for that really fun conversation. Can't wait to see what happens with zombies, and thank you to those who submitted your top five list 
for your top five film and TV couples. For zombies, be sure to follow them on Instagram, Facebook, all forms of social media to keep up with what's going on with what should be a really fun and entertaining film. For next week's show, I'll be chatting with an actor who has appeared in movies such as uh, Looper, Logan, and also recently appeared in a very pivotal role in the newest season of Cobra Kai, and that would be actor Han Soto. He'll be joining me on the show to talk about his time on set with Cobra Kai, his career, and so much more. Uh, I've very much enjoyed the Cobra Kai series since it debuted uh, back on YouTube Red a couple of years ago, and it recently made the move to Netflix. Season 3 dropped. It was a lot of fun. Uh, So it was great getting to chat with him about his time uh, on set for that. You'll be hearing that as well as my review of Cobra Kai Season 3. So if you're a Cobra Kai fan, you're very much going to enjoy next week's episode. But until then, you can check out past episodes of the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. If you want to follow me on social media, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Podcast. I'm also on Patreon at patreon.com slash ddiamondpodcast. And, of course, thank you to my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers, for providing the theme music for the podcast. You can check out all their music on Apple Music, Google Play, and Spotify. That's going to do it for this week's show. Enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. Thank you for tuning in to another awesome episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys back here next Thursday. <laughs>